0: to another episode of the Naturally Built Podcast. I'm Pablo Cortez,
1: And I'm your co-host, Ana Alicia.
0: And our guest today is uh, ESL instructor and landscape architect, Tara Cole. Uh, Tara, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for uh, being able to make it today. I know we had some uh, back and forth scheduling.
2: Hi, Pablo, hi, Anna. Nice to be here today. Thank you for organizing to have a chat with me. It's been a, it'll be a great chat, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think if we can start off, maybe if you can kind of go into a little bit about your work and what you, what you offer, your services that you offer.
2: Yeah. So I'm an Australian living in the south of France. So I live in a, a, a city called Montpellier and I am a landscape architect. I've worked as a landscape architect for almost 15 years now, I would say. And in the last year, I've been teaching architects and landscape architects English so my LinkedIn headline is helping architects and landscape architects to have and improve their English skills and to find their voice to speak up more. So that would that's sort of sums up exactly what I do with people. So I do one-to-one coaching with with clients, with one-to-one clients, and it's it's mostly to work on their communication skills so that they can do things like present projects to clients, feel more confident with um, with clients and also with consultants, and just in their general day to day work.
0: Yeah, that's. A, I think it's, a, it's. It was interesting when that, when you popped up on Instagram because um, I had never thought of that being a, um, I guess a thing <laughs> that that people offer as a service. Because yeah, I mean, you know, when you first start in the business. You, a lot of the language even just even if you speak English right there's there's a lot of the language itself and the terms that are used that are um, for the most part lost on you if you haven't had that experience but what led you start looking into that um, the architecture construction field uh, sort of language and 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 bringing um, I guess non I would say non-speaking not English speaking people but you know, how, how did that all come about from from your work
2: yeah so I guess it, it's for me it's been a long story Kind of coming together. When I first started working as a landscape architect, I really was interested in the ways that we use language to present designs or to communicate with people. I've always been really fascinated by how we can really sell a design even just through the, through the, the use of English. So I was helping a lot of graduates when I first was working as a professional how to improve their communication skills like writing, emails, those sorts of things. But then two years ago or three years ago now, I moved to France and I didn't speak a word of French. So my first job was teaching English when I came here. And actually I was also working as a a freelance landscape architect. So I worked for a, a company in Australia designing residential landscapes. And I was able to do that freelance. So I was doing that while also teaching English. And one day my French teacher asked me about one of the projects that I was working on and I couldn't really explain it to her in French. I found it really challenging. And I realized, well, there is something in this in that if I can't explain this in French and it's really frustrating me, I know that there are people in English trying to use English for describing designs and things like that who also struggle. And so having been a teacher as well, I realized that I could there was something that I could do. I could bring these two things together and really create something that was quite effective for people who are trying to learn English as a second language. So, I really saw the need for it and I I literally was the day after this le- this lesson I was working on a landscape design, I had a big A1 sheet of paper in front of me, and I turned the paper over, and I just started writing all my ideas about what I was going to do to bring these two things together. Because as you know, as landscape architects as well, that we use language in such interesting ways, you know, and there's so many aspects to the design process that Imagine being somebody who speaks English as a second language, thinking, What are they talking about? Sometimes, I mean, we use a lot of very emotive language. We use a lot of, uh, especially when we have to do construction contracts, we use a lot of language for that as well. So, there's lots of different ways of, of using the language. So, that's really what got me started. It was my own limitations in French, realizing. How could I bring the two things together and help people and really make a difference for them?
1: That's awesome. So a little off topic, but just because you're in France, like how, how has been doing landscaping jobs there and providing those services there been just in general versus some of the other places you've worked?
2: Well, interestingly, I don't actually do any, I don't have any landscape clients in France. I've I've had one job which I, I did, which was just doing some planting design for a balcony, but that was it. And so the, the the projects that I work on are in Australia. So I do freelance jobs in Australia, but in terms of, for me, finding a job as a landscape architect would be quite challenging in France because I don't have, well, I didn't at the time have enough of the language to be able to do it, but it is quite different in terms of what I notice here, and in terms of like sometimes I see landscape construction projects without any fencing up or anything like that. So I think this is very interesting. So you, there are lots of differences in terms of how the projects run, and and how they're they're designed as well.
0: What um, I'm wondering how what made, what made you I don't know if you can speak to it, but what made you make the change the move to from Australia to France?
2: Yeah, well, interesting. Good question. Um, so actually I met my partner while I was traveling with my parents in 2017, I think it was, or 2000, yeah, 2017. I was on my way back to Australia from England. I'd spent a year in England teaching in a primary school and I was on my way back to Australia and I met my partner then. And so we ended up doing a lot of backwards and forwards between France and Australia. We, we often, we joke now how interesting it would have been had it been just before COVID happened because we wouldn't have been able to do that. So, yeah, so we decided, okay, I'm going to move to France and I can freelance, I can teach English. Let's just see what happens. So I had no idea what I was going to do, to be honest. I just knew that the the boss that I had at the time was really flexible and it allowed me to be able to do some freelance landscape designs. And so, having that, having a good relationship with the landscape contractor really worked in my favor.
1: So, what do you find as some of the biggest language challenges for your students that, like, that are they face in the industry, like, whether it's the construction side more or the design side of it more?
2: Mm, it it varies across lots of different um, areas. So, I would say first and foremost, the cultural differences is the biggest one. So, for example. You know, in, in the US we can be quite it's it's quite an explicit culture. So you use language in such a way that would be very different to culture in China, for example. And and so when you say something, that is literally what you mean. Whereas in other cultures, like I work with some Thai students, their communication style is much more indirect. So they don't necessarily know what they say is not always exactly what they mean. There's some nuances to the to the ways that we communicate. So that can be the biggest challenge for a lot of the students that I work with. It's really decoding what the language really means. And of course in English we use a lot of emotive language and especially in design we use a lot of emotive language to explain designs. So that would be the first one. And then I think the next one would be the confidence. It's knowing what to say and what it actually means and if it's okay. So a lot of the people I work with might be in a meeting with a client, but they'll sit back and not really say much because they feel like they're not sure if they can say this or what the implications of it might be.
1: So more what, what would be appropriate to say versus the actual you know the actual
2: language word <laughs> exactly yeah so but also it can be the language word as well they very often they'll feel frustrated too because they know the language or they know the word in their own language but they don't necessarily know how to express that yeah. in english yeah so i would say that yeah the cultural differences and and not really knowing sort of what the language means in in a way and and also trying to sort of understand the technical aspects of the language as well is another another thing like the vocabulary can be really challenging to to know how to build so I guess when you're working you don't have a lot of opportunity to just be sitting there nicely and reading and and figuring out more vocabulary that you can use so that can be a challenge as well it's not really knowing what
0: they what things mean yeah i'm wondering i'm wondering if um there's an opportunity or maybe you have done this where you, maybe it's you know you're not working with the individual but with like say the company is that has that been a part of your work like i guess kind of leading into the next question is the what level of professionals are you seeing uh, reaching out for your services and like i'm wondering if, if that's part of it right where a firm is you know looking for your services to, to Know how to best—I don't know what the term is—but best communicate to their employees, right? That are not that don't have—that um, think where English is not their first language.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, at the moment, I the people that come to me are people that want to work with me one to one because they they feel as though they don't want to make too much of a big fuss at work. For example, they want to work with me, figure out what they need to do, and then see see how they can advance their language from there but then and so they they tend to be intermediate so they they would be working already in an office or looking to work in an office so i have worked with some students as well wanting to say present their portfolios and and know what language to use in a in an interview but then i also work with advanced speakers as well who've been speaking english for 10 to 15 years who who just don't feel as confident as they want to be, and so they 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 often can feel stuck in an aspect of their career where they where they want to take it to the next level, but they they feel like their their language is a barrier. Um, but then what you're saying too about the companies, that's something that f- like for the next year, I I guess that's that's what I feel like I can be working with people because sometimes people will work with me and say. I don't think I have enough opportunities at this particular place I'm working at. But then when I speak to them, I think, well, why don't we ask how they could mentor you or how they could help you through some of these challenges? So I see a real opportunity to work with businesses to retain their staff, for example, people who have really good graphic skills or really good representation skills, but don't necessarily have the confidence when it comes to their language. So that's what I've been talking to a number of different people with about this year, about trying to uh, contact businesses, I guess, and see how I can help members of their team. Some people have teams that are all people who speak English as a second language
0: right yeah especially those firms that are doing international work right if they're based out of uh, the uk or the us and doing work with um other countries and yeah i think your services you know would definitely help and and, and if they don't have something already set up right where they where they're um, able to make that communication a lot more go a lot more smoothly
2: yeah and then i also work with people who work across cultures as well so not only do they speak english as a second language they're they're working with other people who speak English as a second language across completely different cultures. So for example, one, one person that I work with at the moment is Brazilian working in the UK for a French company and then consulting with the Philippines. So (laughs) there's so many different nuances to the, to the communication that you use in that, in that aspect. And so you can, you can have situations where there can be miscommunications happening and can be a bit of a nightmare.
1: So with that, you know, what are some of your plans moving forward then to kind of bring more of these companies on
2: board and offer your services to them? Yeah. Um, good question. (laughs) So, I mean, I guess when I first started the, when I first started my business, I didn't realize it would be as successful as it would, as it is. At the start, I thought it would just be like a side business. I would be working as a landscape architect and then occasionally coaching people. But so many people come to me and ask me to help them. So I guess I've had to sit down and sort of think about how am I going to move this forward? And I think for me, I think I want to start a podcast of of how do you use language in certain situations and how do you build your confidence? Because I can really see a big need for it. And so that, in that way, I'd like to kind of grow my audience in that way. Um, I've also recently joined a, it's called the Architecture Social. It's a, a network of architects on a Mighty Networks platform. So there's a number of architects on there. So I'm wanting to grow the audience on there to be able to communicate more with people about how how they can improve their English skills, how they can build their confidence and then I guess I I also see a need for like an online course of how do you how do you build your thinking skills and and your and your way of expressing yourself because it's something that I didn't say before but another thing that I find with a lot of the people that I see is that expressing of ideas which is really challenging for people and the critical thinking skills as well I mean critical thinking is hard in your own language. So imagine doing it in another one. It's really challenging. Yeah, and
1: and even just from the standpoint of trying to read how other people, you know, are reacting to you as you're speaking to them is a huge component too. You know, body language, uh, facial expressions, all of that. And so understanding how to read that and interpret that so you can decide what you're going to say next to them.
2: Exactly, and and that... And sometimes, like, when when a lot of my clients are sort of sitting there, they're thinking, what's the next thing I've got to say? What's the next thing I've got to say? And so they're focused so heavily on that that they don't know what to say because they're not listening or they're finding it hard to, to focus on listening. So, yeah, to take it back to what are what are my plans, I think my plans are to sort of build something that allows people to do it in their own time. I can reach a bigger audience because, I would love to be able to do one-to-one with everyone, but it just doesn't, I just can't do it. Um, I would like to grow the team probably. So I have a couple more people working with me who are working with landscape architects and architects and and doing a similar thing And because there really is a need for it and there's not a lot of people doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting that... Um, yeah, like I said, it's it's it was surprising to me when that came across when your your um, your page came across, but it made it made a lot of sense. Like I made a ton of sense, especially going through your your posts. Um I think I think that the podcast is a great idea cuz obviously it's a vocal thing, right? It's uh, it's uh you got to hear these words being spoken and and how to pronounce and the way they're being um um the, the way they're being said, um, I think that podcast would definitely help with that, especially even like taking, like, I'm going through your content right now on Instagram and you know, you have these, uh, posts about the different, like, for example, this one you use instead of this, try this instead, right? Instead of led or manage try coordinated, oversaw, executed. I mean, going through that stuff in a, in a audio form or even maybe even video form would be great to have that sort of audio visual, uh, presentation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little more clarity.
2: Yeah, it's definitely and it's something that a lot of people ask me to do and I just wish I could clone myself so I could do it all. It's it's always about trying to find the time. And of course, I'm also doing landscape design at the same time too. And 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 I guess that's how it feeds what I do as well because I for example, I have an email list where I send once a month uh, a vocabulary email. And so in that vocabulary email, I send phrasal verbs which are things like work out figure out those sorts of things that we use just native speakers would use them without even thinking or knowing what they are and non-native English speakers find them hard because they, they don't literally mean what they mean and, and we
1: sorry yeah we do that a lot here
2: yes exactly and we use a lot of expressions and idioms and Yeah, as as I was saying, I I always feel like the design industry we use so many expressions that don't necessarily mean literally what we're saying.
0: Right. I'm curious if there's a phrase or or a word that comes up a lot with your students that is kind of looked at as a, I don't know, kind of weird or is quizzical. I
2: think. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's a lot. English is English is very interesting and that it does have a lot of expressions and idioms. I mean, every language does, I guess, but not really. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm always surprised actually, even very advanced students, how much they go, oh, I don't really, I didn't know that that existed or I didn't know about that expression. Um, Yeah. So with the, with the vocabulary email, that's what I try and do is I try and send examples that I would use in my language. So one of the last ones that I used, I took an email that I had sent to an architect and I just pulled that out, pulled some of the vocabulary out that I was using in that email. I, all I changed in the email was the names of the people and the the address, and it was interesting to me just seeing how much language we use that needs to be explained. And I, and I often test this on my clients or on my students and say, you know what what of this email doesn't make sense to you and i'm and sometimes i'm surprised that they don't necessarily know it it's they may just say oh yeah yeah i know what it means but but maybe they don't know what it means all the time
0: yeah it helps to see it broken down that way right and when you have to kind of i guess identify in that sentence or in that email what those uh, specific words are
2: yeah and also i guess it makes me like and and other people that i speak to other professionals more aware of the language that they use so i will often say to people do you really know what that means or is there an alternative that you could use to that where you're actually helping the people that that um you're working with or that you're employing to to feel more at ease
0: yeah yeah because they're, they're going to be throwing they're going to be using those those phrases or words without giving it a second thought right it's just what they how they say things and how they how they're used to doing it
2: Exactly. Yeah. Like I like an example I'll give you is the other day I was talking to one of my clients and I said what are you on about? And they're like what does that mean? What does on about mean? And I, it made me realize, you know, there's so many expressions that it has no makes no sense. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um I think uh, I I did want to th- I think we maybe already answered this but um do you have any um, advice for any firms or even recent graduates entry-level people that have that have not been exposed to the language of the field and how to best you know get them themselves up to speed like you know obviously you know don't going through a program like yours would uh, greatly benefit um, but yeah I don't know if you have anything that you any kind of quick advice for
2: mm, yeah obviously yeah working with somebody one-on-one is definitely a way that you can work through some of those challenges that you have. So as an individual, I would say, um, there's a few things that you can do to build your vocabulary. So so for example, you might make it consistent that you're going to read an article each day and just take a, a small passage from that article and see some of the vocabulary and see if you can see some of the consistent patterns or the words that you're, you're finding. And I would say, It takes doing something every day. You've got to do something every day to build that vocabulary, to notice those patterns and things like that. Um, Also listening I think is really, really important. So listening to a podcast like yours, for example, you're exposing yourself to the type of language that you're likely to hear at work or when you need to use it in a meeting, for example, you're using some of those similar Uh, expressions and vocabulary. Um, Often English teachers will say watch a series on Netflix or watch Friends or but for me I feel like it's not as useful to watch a series on TV if what you're trying to do is build the vocabulary for work. You need to be watching videos on YouTube, listening to podcasts that actually have something to do with the the subject that you need it to be about so if you work in a, um, an office that and your job is mostly doing planting designs you need to be listening to a podcast or watching videos which is about planting designs or something similar you know looking at landscape uh, and then on the other hand I would say if you're a firm I think offering a mentoring situation is a is a number one priority I would say because it's probably something that is not all, It's it can be overlooked. Particularly in, in an English-speaking country, we tend not to, we tend not to correct people's language skills. We We sort of don't hear it as much. And that can be really frustrating for a person who's trying to improve their language skills. They don't know what they don't know, and they don't know what they need to improve. So I think it can, and it can be difficult to offer that to somebody. You saying, "Oh, you know, I think you need to work on your English." You could be offending them, for example. But just offering that as an option and saying, "Would you like the mentoring? A mentoring process where just getting them to present a project or something, just to get them to be speaking what, and talking about things." And that's exactly what I do with my clients. So they would may maybe explain to me a material that they've chosen a plant that they're looking at or just something so that they can be practicing the language and I can be explaining or giving them feedback so yeah I would say like as a firm offering some form of mentoring process giving them the opportunity to speak in a way that it's not in a big pressure situation so Mm -hmm not, you know, it's hard to give them that feedback in the middle of a client presentation, but giving them that opportunity to practice that is is always a good thing, I think.
1: Yeah, one of the opportunities too with the mentorship is I know uh, that's related to language is acronyms. I know we use a ton of acronyms um, in different industries or for different, you know, if you're talking in terms of, oh, you need to contact this department. So I think um, mentorship Really offers that that other layer of opportunity to pass down <clears throat> that knowledge because sometimes you'll hear people talking about it in a meeting. I know it's happened to me a couple of times, or you you hear people throw out all these acronyms in a meeting, and you're not going to stop the meeting um, to ask you know, clarify. You know, especially if you're new or you're an intern, or you know you're you're really just learning um, and you don't have that voice at the table. You know, you're not going to stop stop a meeting and be like, hey, what's that one?
2: Yeah, and and the thing with acronyms too, acronyms drive me mental actually because they drive me mental in teaching. So I have a a degree in teaching. So I have these teaching acronyms. Then I have these landscape acronyms and architecture acronyms, BIM acronyms. There's acronyms everywhere and they drive me insane and they can mean different things in certain places as well. So even in Australia, I work with people in different states in Australia and the, the acronyms that they use in one state Means a different thing to another. So I'm like, gosh, stop using acronyms. We need to stop it.
0: Um, Tara, I- I'm curious if you can share what your maybe what people can expect when they sign up for your program. Um, you know, what that I guess maybe timelines and um, the, I guess your process is that something you can kind of go into a little bit?
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. So I didn't think I, I said it at the start, but I'm actually a neuro language coach. So I did a coaching. A certificate at the start of the year, so neuro language coaching is more about looking at the brain and how the brain learns more effectively, and so we we're trying to match that up with coaching. So we we're coaching is more looking at asking deeper questions and getting people to be more independent learners. So trying to lead them in a process of of understanding how they can. Input into their own learning process. So, when people work with me, the first session that I do with them is an evaluation, which is very much like a coaching style conversation where I try to find out where some of their challenges are with the language, but then also what are the uses that they need the language for. So, we, we try to figure out what are the most pressing needs for them. So, it might be to present projects it might be to be in meetings, it might even just be to write emails or to, to be able to speak with a consultant. So when I first meet with them I do an evaluation and then through that evaluation we do, I develop the program based on what their needs are. So it's not a program in, in such a way that it's set and everyone does the same thing but I do do very similar things with people because the same things come up all the time. So if if out of that situation, out of the evaluation that comes that they need to work on their pronunciation because they're not clear and they're not speaking, um, then we would work on doing exercises that will help them with their pronunciation using words that are more specific to what they need to use it for. So, I typically work with somebody for a minimum of two months because I I tend to find that over over two months that's when you start to see the progress because you're consistently meeting with somebody and and they're making and they're doing things during the week as well. So I'll meet with somebody once a week. We catch up on, on Zoom on a on an audio call. We speak for an hour. We and then in between the sessions, we'll do like, for example, I'll set them a task, like listen to a podcast, watch a video, and then we'll bring some of that language through that. And then, and then it really just depends on what they want to do. So I work with some people who just want to speak about software that they use because that's what they need to use the language for. But then some people have to present projects to clients and they need to work on that. Uh, or they need to send emails to consultants. So, yeah, it, it really varies. But it's it's mostly that that very first session. And that's how we sort of figure out the the roadmap or how we're going to get them there. And I and I try to say, okay, there's going to be an endpoint at some point. So, it helps to keep me, people motivated, I guess.
0: Gotcha. So it's, it's, you're kind of tailored to the specific individual what that the overall program is like. Right? Exactly.
2: Yeah. But as as I say, because I. I guess because I'm working with the same people, well, not the same people, but the same people from the same industry and needing the same types of language, I, I see a lot of this, of similarities come up all the time.
1: Is there is there one that seems everyone has that's universal, um, like something that's popped up, like either a technical term
2: or, um, actually, the one that's come up recently is the is the word cantilevered. A lot of people have been asking me about this word this week and um pronunciation a a lot of I work with a lot of uh, Brazilians at the moment actually so I have typical pronunciation challenges for Brazilians so I tend to see that coming up um but it's yeah it's the technical language really that that can be quite challenging and that can vary from from person to person and yeah if i if i work with say people who come from china they will have very typical pronunciation challenges and then people from brazil will have very typical pronunciation challenges as well so yeah i'm starting to see a lot of patterns in terms of trying to make them aware of it
1: yeah like what what word sounds are the hardest for each culture or language yeah exactly and like for example
2: brazilians would be the the ed pronunciation at the ends of words, um, and also they sometimes they tend to put the. And I and I know this because because I'm starting to understand more about Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese as well. Like why do they make those those pronunciation challenges, or why do they have those pronunciation challenges? Like for example, um, in Brazilian Portuguese, they pronounce. Their S words with an e uh at the start. So when they say specify, for example, they say a specify. So there's a little uh specify at this at the start. So I start to see some of those things. And then, for example, sometimes the word uh, like playground, for example, can be quite challenging for Chinese students to pronounce because you have two consonants next to each other. And and sometimes it's really important to get these right because. If you don't yeah. pronounce them right,
1: or yeah, or they're a vital piece of the the plan that you're conveying or talking about, you know. And it a lot of times I know for at least Americans who are so just a, accustomed to English and that is it, and it's rare for a lot of people to speak multiple languages. Where that's not necessarily the case in other countries um, you know, Americans tend to immediately discredit if there's a, you know, a slip on how to pronounce something or especially if it's a vital piece of, of
2: what they're, they're trying to present. Exactly. And I think we have, but we can have biases as well without necessarily knowing. And so, or not without knowing, but without sort of making it obvious. We just, we're not aware of these biases that we have. So if somebody doesn't pronounce something right or, you know and this is what i'm saying back before about trying to give people more opportunities and giving them the mentor process because they can people can get stuck in a position because they because their leaders think it's maybe too hard to help them or to, to push them forward but they they have the skills there they have the ability to to improve but they just don't have the opportunity
0: well tara i think this is a good spot to kind of start wrapping things up um, is there, can you share your, um, I guess how people can best find you?
2: Yeah. So they can contact me on LinkedIn. So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also find me on my website, which is www.archyenglish.com. So Arky being hcom Um, and I'm on Instagram as well but I tend to be more on LinkedIn.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And we'll, I'll post some of the, the, the links in the, uh, the show notes for everybody to, uh, to reach out. Cause I think you're, I think it's a, it's a, it's a very, um, I think much needed service that you're providing to, for a lot of people. And I don't know if it's, uh, if it's as, as known as a source to a lot of people that they can reach out.
2: Well, I guess not. I mean, I've only been doing it for a year, so I'm trying to in- increase my visibility, trying to show up on all these places, on these platforms and, yeah, trying to do as much as I can.
0: know. unless you have something else, I think where we can...
2: Yeah, no, I think I think it was great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That was really good. I enjoyed that conversation. Thanks, Tara. Thank you.
0: Um, yeah. Um, thanks for taking the time. And uh, like I said, we'll include your contact information in the show notes so people can reach out.
2: Yeah, cool. Sounds good. How long, have, how long have you two been doing the podcast for? Pablo's been doing it.
0: The year, year, in April. Actually, yeah, year this month. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And Anna joined in September, October of 2020. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I realized I need a little help.
2: Yeah, it's hard to do <laughs> yeah. on your own, he, isn't it? He still does it
1: all. I just, I just. <laughs> <laughs> you show up. <laughs> you. Yeah. I show up.
0: It makes for a better episode, for sure. It, it's yeah.
2: easier to have a conversation with two people, I think. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and Anna, do you do you work as a landscape architect?
1: Um, I work as a senior park planner, actually. So I work public sector and I do residential landscape design. Um, but yeah, so I I do a little bit of both, but I do a lot more of the development side of things than so when you know you were talking about the contracts. I'm like, oh yeah, I can imagine. You know, or even <laughs> it's just a like, oh oh yeah, I mean, and the resolutions. Like if you're work doing public sector work and I mean I can't imagine, you know, the yeah. the things. It's like so even from my side, you know, I everything would require bond, you know, if I'm talking about bonds, bonds and then yeah. I'm talking about, you know, the DIR, that's one of the <laughs> acronyms I was like, oh yeah, so I could see where that transition just in that little process would be would be yeah. a nightmare. For yeah, who's look, like what are they talking about? Yeah, I know. cuz like,
2: what I was thinking about when you were saying that too is so in in Australia, for example, we have local government authority which is LGA but then in in Victoria it's that and then in Sydney it's the local government area instead of authority and so it just like it's it's so annoying and and I have a lot of brazil a lot of my clients in Australia are brazilian and and what they do is because their qualification <clears throat> doesn't necessarily translate so they'll have a qualification as a landscape architect but then they can't work as a landscape architect straight away in Australia. So then they go and do like a project management thing or something to allow them to do it. And then they get stuck in jobs that they don't like doing. And so it's it's trying to get them to get, you know, use the vocabulary that they need, which is harder.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's huge. Cool.
2: Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Thank yeah, you. No,
0: thanks, Sarah. You hope too. you have a good I day. Hope, you too. <laughs> you guys or have too. a good night.
2: Yes, I will. I'm going to go and have a lie on the couch. I've had a long day today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, have a good weekend as well. Yeah. Well, thanks again.
2: I'll, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks again for that. That was really, yeah. really good.
0: I'd like to thank our guest, Tara Cole, for taking the time to uh, join us today. You can find her contact info in the show notes. And thank you for listening. Go out and build something.